0: And welcome to the SmackDown review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by the deadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidwick, here to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of SmackDown. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review SmackDown but also Raw, NXT 2.0, AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage pay per views. We have interviews, round table discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by my Hamlet and Michael Zu to review SmackDown. What do you make of this show, Hamflat? Oh,
2: it's a painfully average time to be a wrestling fan, guys. Painfully <laughs> average time if you watches this. Um, yeah, you know, like the big angles are bubbling along quite nicely um, until a graphic of a match, a different pay-per-view, completely pole one, and one of the few remaining hot characters they've got is going to be buried for no reason at a pay-per-view on Sunday. Uh, I liked, that, and I like, I should say, a present tense, because I thought this continued the story relatively well, even though there's still huge, huge issues with it. Mm. I think I now like the um, Becky Lynch angle, and that's one of two main event stories on this show, and that one hasn't been destroyed A match that's going to take place for blood money. So, (laughs) there's my positive. There's my positive take on the show overall. The main event scene still feels hot if you can completely detach yourself from the realities of it. A whole
3: lot of nothing elsewhere.
2: I don't don't think this is as great as a lot of people still think it is.
3: No, it isn't. That's my take. (laughs) Yeah. In the interest of balance, because we're a balanced podcast, um, I thought the Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair thing absolutely sucked. (laughs) Talk the giant key. What are you talking? It's a total parody of everything that people have grown to just dislike about WWE. And I'm not saying there should be no such thing as heat. Heat is what drives the conflict. Conflict is what is, drives the wrestling. But come on, time and
0: place. I just love the <laughs> fact that for a split second, the how naive I am. For all these years, when they did the handshake and they oh, you're not going anywhere, and Becky Lynch took a swing, I thought, oh, my God, she's going to lay Becky Lynch out. And then I went, oh. What am I thinking about? She's in her hometown? Of course she's not. Of course she's the only <laughs> one who's going to be left laying. Uh, wasn't all bad, this show, though. I enjoyed parts of it. We're getting closer, at It's. It, I mean, for me, Rey Mysterio was an arsehole on commentary. He wasn't, obviously. But in my head now, I'm booking it like that. And I enjoyed that. And another win, another win for Rick Boogs. And just inexplicably going back to Shinsuke <laughs> versus Apollo. And I thought, oh, fair enough, you know. They're just running this back. I know you put it on face, Cedric. People got this. But let me finish. Because I thought, you know what? At least they're wearing this back and they're giving them a pay-per-view match. No, they're not. Next Friday on now. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't care. <laughs> There's a lesson here, Bart. <laughs> Never enjoyed <things>. yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, let's start the beginning of SmackDown. They recapped uh, Seth Rollins trying to murder Edge, and then of course the show opened with the Bloodline coming out: Roman Reigns, the Usos, Paul Heyman. They walk down to the ring. It's great. This I was watching this sort of late on Sunday after a busy weekend. I saved about five minutes here, (laughs) so I was like, skip, 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 skip. Right now they're in the ring. Now they've got a microphone. Fair enough. Uh, They recap everything that's happened. Of course, with Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor as the Demon returning, Um, and yes. Uh, I guess I'm going to do this now rather than breaking this up and asking you at the end. Michael Cole says, "Well, don't forget it's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns in, in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel uh, for the Universal Championship. Well, unless Balor takes it off him at Extreme Rules. Do you want to take the victory lap now for the prediction, or I mean, taking into account the the match that we are already burning through tonight on Monday Night Raw? I mean,
3: um, I will take that victory lap on Twitter." And I will think of something funny to say. So Where can people find you on Twitter? Can follow me at Sidgwick. And for those who are listening for the first time or haven't actually heard my prediction, Brock Lesnar is going to squash Roman Reigns in a Paul Heyman. Oh my God. Shock special. Uh, I can't wait. It'll just be funny. I mean, it's, it's not It's not going to like, that's the thing, that's the measure of the character. It's probably not going to get like buried or killed off forever. I'll fiend or whatever.
0: Um, but yeah, it'll be funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, Reigns in the ring, he says, Knoxville, acknowledge me. Uh, and then he, he gets the wise man himself, uh, Paul Haynes, to talk about him. He says that he's known Roman Reigns and seen his potential since he was a child. He's in awe of the tribal chief. Bit there, but you know, he, says, he says Reigns takes on all challenges. He fears no man, no beast, no demon. Wilborn, that's Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor. I didn't put that together. Thank you for that. There you go. go. (laughs) He says, everyone fears I think some
2: people put it together. They put two images together on Twitter for 3,000 likes.
0: (laughs) He said, uh, Balor fears Reigns. That's why he had to bring back the demon. Uh, And he even says he knows uh, Lesnar better than even his own family. And he saw something in his eyes last week. Before he can really reveal what that something he saw was... Big E's music hit, he comes out, love this gear here, uh, particularly complimented by the WWE Championship round his waist. He runs around, he gets a great reaction from the crowd, a you-deserve-it chant. And then, inexplicably, Finn Balor's music hits. This wasn't advertised, was it? I'm not right, thinking that this was just an impromptu tag match that got the void together. Mate, is this your first time? <laughs> it's been <laughs> happening for
3: 20 years. That's what they do. Just how they book television.
0: So the fact that it's such a given that they didn't even have them say, Ride fella. I'm oh, sorry, that's Seamus. That's <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> like, Big Mala come out and say, Why well, not meet your two take on your boys, Roman? He just came out, went to break when they came back, a tag match was happening. What do you think, Hamplo, of this, this uh, opening promo? Always great, list, I suppose.
2: Yeah, it's so I like this because I like the characters. I don't really like any of the story. I don't really like much of the work. I don't appreciate any of the craft. What are you going to do? Like, it's just, <laughs> this was the standard, you know, arrangement of WWE wrestlers doing WWE wrestler things, but I like most of them. So it's, they get the benefit of that. I really, like, I kind of overstate this. The That um, that um Crown Jewel graphic that dropped on Friday, and it's tremendous Photoshop, and I wish I could remember the person, but um i try and track it down and then tweet it back out, but... We had a good laugh about that. And it was at that moment I realised that Sidgwick was bang right. I put him over as such for this as well, about this squash that is going to occur. Um, All the praise I'd had, and I've had for... They're really good at establishing B-show opponents for Roman. You've got to make people believe, for one night in a random month on a show that nobody cares about that Roman Reigns might lose. That's a task of this title run. And they found another one in the demon. Big, big fan of that. And it's going to be important when Roman go, when Roman rolls over the demon. It's not going to be important, is it? He's going to beat him easily in a match that we already can see the finish of a mile off because he's defending the belt on another show that they put a poster up for. Like, now it becomes blatant abuse of a character. And I know this wasn't it. I know this was Finn. And I know this was mostly a spotlight biggie. Big E. Big E's godfather gear, I suppose. You've got Roman as the head of the table on his T-shirt and Biggie's. you know, they like to do the thing where the two champions hold up belt. And it's this idea, visually at least, that they are like on the same level as each other. That certainly doesn't hurt Big E, um, nor did the win in the bland match that followed. I like the people more than I like any of the lack of effort made to tell any stories between them.
0: Sige, before I get your thoughts on this this opening uh, segment, I just thought as he was talking about it then the result, the impending result at this weekend's Extreme Rules. Does the demon have a gag? or no gag? What you know, like Roman does his kick out and punches him between the balls. Oh yeah, does <laughs> a demon? <have> a <laughs> sorry, know was early on a Monday for this, but it's, it's been stuck with me all weekend. The
3: demon oh, got a gag <laughs> I hit my by de grass, and then he hit me in the cack. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who's shot, I don't know who's not. <laughs> That's an interesting question because that is like the ultimate. Oh, you can fill any man mm. with a quick shot the cack. It'll look pretty ridiculous if uh, the demon's got a cack. <laughs> Maybe the supernatural energy you yeah. What if, what if his face?
2: What if his face paint was all purple and veiny?
0: <laughs> <laughs> <a> cack. Oh. <laughs> the demon cack. If only this was going down at the end of next month, then we could get Pumpkin Finn Balor. Oh, they <laughs> really missed an opportunity there. They always do matches more than once? Oh, uh, yeah. But, yeah, this is this in the first or the last? <laughs> time. Yeah,
2: you, you've beaten the demon, but you haven't beaten the pumpkin. He's unbeaten.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I told him, man, oh, the demon's going to lose when he's 40 years old. He's like, not going to be a top rising star, it's not 2016 <laughs> anymore. Just relax, guys. It's
0: all dead <laughs> and buried. Everything you want. After the beanie you gave me at Extreme Rules. One thing I'm not, Roman Reigns is ready to face you for Halloween, but I think I've got another guy. <laughs> I think you know him. Jack O'Lantern. <laughs> Top
3: of the morning. Let's have a fight. Let's have a fight. Um, you could just do, like, blue paint this time. <laughs> I'm a Smackdown demon now. Father. <laughs> <laughs> what are we
0: doing? What? Yeah. Always what uh, good these, aren't they? Yeah.
3: I like him. I mean, I'm sick of him.
0: Okay, fair enough. Uh, right, let's talk about the tag match then. Uh, the Usos um, start off in control because, of course, they are. They're a tag team, not two blokes, just randomly hoied together. Can't they really coexist? Um, but in the end, uh, Big E recovers. He hits that splash on the apron. That looks, always looks great. Uh, then we go to a break, come back. The Usos have uh, is isolated... Big E, Jimmy goes for a splash in the corner. Big E gets that way. He gets in Finn Balor hot tag. He runs wild, but then Jay interferes, drags Balor out to the floor, and Jimmy hits that brilliant suicide dive onto him as his brother holds him there. Uh, he's got him. Jimmy's got him in a chin lock. As we come back, Balor fights back. Pele kick. Big E does the, the clapping from the ring uh, from the ring apron to get the new day rocks chant. He comes in. He, he completely runs wild. Belly to belly suplex on Jey Uso. Uh Jey Uso fights back, hits him with a Samoan drop. Big E fights back. Uh hits a splash on Jimmy. Goes Jay then goes for a crossbody. Big E gets out of it. Jay super kicks in. Bala piles in shotgun, shotgun drop kick on Jimmy. Sling blade on Jay. Bala hits the coup de gras on Jimmy. Big E hits the big ending. One, two three weird to pin your tag champs before they defend the tag titles next weekend but a feel good victory for the new wwe championship.
3: yeah i guess i could just do that on raw i'm not sure where he is yeah um where they probably should be reserving all of this because survivor series is happening in november and they're burning through the one thing that sells survivor series in september so we'll probably have to do all of this again in november unless Brock Lesnar wins the Universal title, which is another reason why it's happening, brother. There's one thing I liked in this match, which is otherwise the usual structure and tempo of a WWE tag match. Elevated, of course, because all four of these men are great. It's like any kind of thought. Like Finn Balor, and I think he's even said this himself, he was just on autopilot Mm -hmm. when he knew he was going nowhere on Raw in like 2017 and 2018. Um, He's actually having a little think about... How can I do my moves in a different context and tell a good story and whatever? I really liked the bit when Jey Uso has got him by the hand, dragging him into that corner of the ring. So like, I've got a perfect counter for this. The Pelé kick. Really enjoyed how he's integrated that spot in the context of the tag team match, which proves that he's a great wrestler in the tag team division, which is just as well because he's been the tag team <laughs> Like It's fine. It's one of those where I'm just numb to WWE's treatment of champions. I don't look at those belts and think... You're a top star for holding those. You're an incredibly skilled person for holding those. I just think, well, it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's your turn because the storyline is dictated. Um, so it's hard to get. in. It's one of those. It's yet another thing that's just impossible to get annoyed by. In earnest, you Usos lost a tag team match and then the champions. It's like, well, it's just what they do. Ah, yeah, nobody cares. Um, so it's it's
2: absolutely fine. The uh, hashtag. For the uh, Newcastle House Show last night, I had a I mean, if you click on it and you just if you wanted to have a tab, look at the results or like see the crowd or anything like that, just had a just had a bunch of kids. Just having the best time. It really made you feel good. And within that, it did make you realise that like these kids were born to this version of the product, so they're never going to be bothered like that. The tag team champions lost, I guess. You know, then like it's just it's all they've ever known. So like it beats the sense out of you of trying to explain it away anyway. You know, WWE don't care. So they're kind of allowing their audience not to be bothered either. The Usos, theoretically, have to exist to put over, let's say, the Street Profits. You know, Montes Ford is wrestling out of his skin at the moment for what you would assume. Could be a title change, but extreme rules, or at least a, a big teased one. But they're just lost to, like, a makeshift pairing. So, like, in our heads, that's, like, taking all the air out of the balloon. But WWE just don't see
0: it that way. Uh, Reigns is watching uh, in his locker room with Paul Heyman. Not happy at the loss, of course. Uh, but he turns to Heyman, wants an explanation why, you know, Lesnar had claimed that Paul Heyman knew he was going to be at SummerSlam. Uh, and Heyman's all uh, skittish and panicking. And he says, Look, Brock Lesnar fears you. So he, he just made it up. He made that lie up, basically. Uh, and Rain says, Is Lesnar going to be at Extreme Rules? Heyman quickly says, Oh, no, no, no he's not going to be there. And Rain says, Well, how do you know that? And Heyman says, oh, I just assumes. Raymond uh, Reigns menacingly says, oh, It's your job to find out. I don't pay you to just assume. And that was followed by Robert Roode versus Rick Boogs in another victory for uh, one of my new favorite stars of SmackDown. Uh, initially, uh, the Duty Dogs use their tag team, Nouse, to take the advantage. Ziggler distracts Boogs, that allows Roode to, to take control, hits a blockbuster, goes for the glorious DDT, but Boog slips out. Puts rude on his shoulders, does a squat, hits a Samoa drop, and then hits his new finisher, uh, the Boog's Cruise, that power slam of his. Uh, before we get into the uh, aftermath of this pamphlet, Boog's just rolling on SmackDown, isn't he?
2: He is. I mean, this is what the Dirty Dogs are there for now, isn't it? Is to try and make Rick Boog's look as credible as they possibly can. I'd like to do the post match. if That's okay because the match was so nondescript that I thought the post match was worthy of a bit of mention. Um, the boot from Commander Aziz was just incredibly welcome. I don't mind the Nakamura and Rick Boogs act, you know. Like, as mid-card fluff, there are worse ways to use Shinsuke. There are worse ways to try and get Rick Boogs over. But every now and then, WWE will book a heel attack that makes me realise I don't like the baby faces that much because <laughs> I didn't feel one iota of sympathy when Aziz appeared from out of nowhere with that horrifying shot. Um I really, really like that. And it's such a shame that the end product of all of this is Apollo Crews versus Nakamura rematches for the Intercontinental title. I guess it's next week and it's not going to be a feud. It's just going to be one more match because it just makes you realise that it's just like, even when like there's this pretty cool moment, there's a flashpoint, there's maybe like an interesting wrinkle, maybe Aziz is going to start getting a bit more physically involved. I don't know what his capabilities or indeed his limitations are. But even when there's like something that just like snaps you awake, it's just a rematch of the thing that's happened last month. There's so mm. little care in the bigger picture that it kind of like undermines the enjoyment of this, this one micro moment.
3: I mean, I don't care about the feud that has stemmed from the post-match attack. And the idea is they really like to push Boogs because he's got a good physique and they find him funny. My God, he was exposed in a two-minute match. Like, he's not good in the ring. I'm sorry. He just isn't. When he was like lifting... Rude in a position to do his various power moves. He's so... You can tell that it's just not natural to Mm. him. He hasn't done anywhere near enough wrestling. He hasn't got anywhere near enough reps. Like, he was very tentatively going through the bits that other wrestlers, when they're locked in with the chemistry, can just boom, 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 do it. I get to that bit. Spring off. Have you sprung off yet? Right, okay, cool. Now I can slam you. It's just his work is kind of woefully transparent at present in Cruz versus Nakamura.
0: Wow. (laughs) Yes, uh, post-match attack, and then uh, Cruz gets on the mic and says uh, that Nakamura's made a mockery of the IC title, demands a title shot, and then later on, yes, it's announced for next week's SmackDown. So is that Apollo Cruz
3: vowing to bring the prestige back to the Intercontinental title? How (laughs) How many times can these assholes say that without the subtext that none of these WWE fans, the worst ones, will pick up on? Hang on, isn't this title rubbish? If everyone's saying, I'm going to bring their prestige back to the title, that's when Finn Balor said it and loads of other people said it. The title sucks and I'm going to bring prestige. He's been saying this for like 10 years. It must be bad. I mean, the wrestling I watch must be bad. (laughs) No, it is the AEW sexuals who are wrong. (laughs) Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz sat
2: at home and like, I want our reign to be like Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, just just massive fans cutting that same promo over and over again.
0: Uh, Then we got the next step on the inevitable Kevin Owens versus Happy Corbin Extreme Rules match, Uh, because the match didn't happen uh, that was scheduled for SmackDown. They spent a long time recapping what's been going on with uh, Owens and and Corbin, and of course, Logan Paul, who got involved on the KO show a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Owens gets interviewed before he uh, heads out for his match, saying he's disappointed in himself that he tried to help Corbin. He should have trusted his instincts. He's the one who's going to be happy after he beats down Corbin, basically. Corbyn jumps Owens as he's making his entrance, throws him into the LED board around the ring and choke slams him onto the apron and the match doesn't happen, Michael Hamflat. No,
2: I was as shocked as you. Um, this was... Uh, it's it's Kevin Owens versus Baron Corbyn. I like the Corbyn character. I like how he's performing it. I like that this is earned because Owens was the one guy that tried to show him a bit of sympathy when he actually needed it and he was literally begging for it. Um problem comes, and it was always going to come, I guess, until that really weird, like, subsection of wrestling Twitter comes at me for this take. But the problem always comes when the payoff is a Baron Corbin match. It's kind of an extension of, like, a really hot Randy Orton promo. You're like, oh, this has got to end in a Randy Orton match. Like <laughs> Corbin, is, Corbin is fine, but it's so rarely entertaining, you know? Like, it's going to be all that, like, choking heat. I don't mean that he's holding a choking Kevin Owens. I mean, he's just choking us as we're watching, like really laborious heat before Owens gets the stunner or gets the tights pulled on a roll up or something like that.
0: It's not I think Logan Paul's getting involved.
2: Yeah, I probably I yeah there, you there's you there's, there's your there's your cheap finish. I just the match like the angle's fine. I really can't complain too much but I just the match is not one that I'm terribly excited for. And it's Baron Corbin.
3: What are you gonna do? That's always the same. It's always the same with him. Uncharacteristically awful promo from Kevin Owens. Legitimately felt like, yeah, it was clunky, wasn't it? Clunky, all over the place. It genuinely felt to me like he'd been on a blower with a graphic designer and setting up his PWT shop in the background, (laughs) legitimately. (laughs) And then he came to work, read this promo, and was like, I can do this. And then he actually couldn't, which is is so rare because he's world class, usually, Kevin Owens. I just got the feeling like he doesn't care about this anymore. (laughs)
0: we got a lovely video package uh, highlighting Bianca Belair at the University of Knoxville Pap, of course for her as they're showing this and then in the back Hi, Kyla. Uh Surprises Paul Heyman as they do week in and week out. Um, she'd heard rumours that Brock Lesnar might be on his way to Monday Night Raw in the upcoming draft. And Heyman's just really angry. He starts yelling at her, stop bothering him, stop flirting with him, all that. Turned around, there's Big E, except this time, of course, he's not got the briefcase. He's got the WWE Championship. And he goes, hmm, what do you reckon to that, effectively? Uh, and Heyman says, yeah, congratulations. Good idea, not cashing in on Roman Reigns. Going for an injured Bobby Lashley instead look, you know you couldn't have beaten Roman Reigns. And Big E says, well, we'll find out at Survivor Series when I take on your boy. But wait a second, is your boy Roman or is it—is it Brock? I get confused. Then again, I suppose it could be neither of them because... Uh, Finn Balor could spoil all of your plans. But then suddenly the Usos jump Big they give him a vic- vicious backstage beatdown, pull him into some travel cases like they often do, stamp on him, and then Roman appears, and they walk off as Big E is left-laying Michael Sidgwick.
3: Um,
0: I've, got, I've got no real thoughts. <laughs> I suppose it's just a feed-in Hamlet to, to the match tonight on Raw. Yeah,
2: yeah. Um... I like the Paul Pain, Heyman stuff. Painstakingly booked,
0: and <laughs> just done it. Really just thought to make a great dynamite in the ratings this week. Basically,
2: it's going to get smashed by Monday Night Football every week of the season, every single week. Um, I like the Paul Heyman stuff. I do. Um, the you know, like whose side is he genuinely on? Is he going to try and play both for as long as he possibly can? Um, yeah. It's again a bit of a shame that the uh, how they've arrived at this Brock. Roman match is for a Saudi show for the timing of it for all that sort of stuff because I want to be more invested in this than WWE will allow me to be. I think it's fascinating who Paul Heyman is going to go with. I don't know, and I'm curious to see like how it plays out because they've obviously got it's a top angle. It's featuring the top stars. They'll have something in mind. They'll have intrigue, suspense, possibly a twist, all that kind of stuff. All really, really good. Um, tanked by the arrangement and presentation of this these matches and these cards. Um, I even like. Because well, I because I talked at length about it on a different podcast. I love the bloodline and New Day. I think it's a really really cool match, and it's going to go twenty five minutes with no finish on on a Raw, <laughs> um, desperately so. And I just like yeah, just I don't know. Makes me feel a bit sad that these all these things are happening the way they're happening.
0: a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. I did like the response uh, from Seth Rollins. He came next. He, uh, again, they had the recap of of him battering edge and he made his entrance He was in a bloody silver suit, which looked incredible. Uh, And he did his entrance prior to them showing this backstage segment. And then they showed it. I think they were coming back from an ad break or whatever. And they cut back to the ring after Big E's been laid out and he goes, oh, someone should have probably helped him there. I don't know why that tickled me so much. He's such a git, Seth Rollins. Uh, he said last week when he beat Edge, it was one of the best matches of his career. And he talks about having a crack and a snap and a pop as he uh, stomped on Edge's neck. Um, and he was furious that everyone thought he went too far last week. He basically, long story short, said, whose fault is it? Each and every one of you. You're the reason why I did it, why I went too far. Uh, he asked them if they thought that he went too far, though. And they all responded by cheering and saying, yes, you definitely did. You tried to kill Edge in front of our very eyes. Uh, And he quite rightly said, "I used a legal, legitimate move that I've used many times to win matches." Um, He said, "Look, the fans goaded Edge into feuding with Rollins. He recapped, you know, all the Edge light stuff and the the match at SummerSlam, all the stuff that Edge has done to him, and he's not finished with Edge yet." He pointed out, "He ever is." (sighs) He pointed out on NXT, (laughs) forgot the two point home, but pointed out on NXT that Beth. Uh, Edge's other of off said he's uh, at home recovering, uh, and he said is Edge Edge physically and mentally capable of returning to the ring. He saw fear in Edge's eyes as he was being led away on that stretcher, and he felt sympathy for Edge. It's been eating up at him. Look, he wants to finish this. He can either go to Edge's cabin or, and beat him up in front of his family, or Edge can crawl back to the ring for one more go around. A convoluted, long-winded way of getting to this, but. I like the essence of the, I'm trying to kill Edge stuff here, Hamlet.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I wanted him to get to the point, but then when he did, I wish he hadn't. Um, What is this, going to be like a cinematic cabin brawl, uh, Extreme (laughs) Rules? Um, Are we getting a legit one more match between the two when there isn't... I know, like, they've gone ones each, but it doesn't really feel like one's necessary. It's okay to do ones each if the feels like a if the feels like a definitive winner, which Seth Rollins did last week. I thought there was a real opportunity that they missed. If I'm honest, I'd, it didn't have to be Rey Mysterio. It was just that he happened to be stood by the ambulance last week. But there was a proper opportunity. Rollins has found a bit of form again in ring. The character's hit and miss, but it always is with him. Um, to take any one of a line of younger baby faces who could be a bit of an advocate for Edge, just say, look, he was one of my heroes, and I thought what he did last week uncomfortable and I want to fight you over it. And then Seth gives them a great match. Maybe they get a rub and you know maybe somebody gets over out of this. And then when Edge does return, he's got a new ally on screen as well in one of the younger wrestlers that he can then give the rub to. You know, this all this sort of stuff seemed like such an opportunity. And it is something that they could maybe go to, but it now feels slightly blown by how heavy handed they were in teasing a rubber match here. Not least because the attack felt like a write off it felt like we were getting the right that edge gone till I don't know Royal Rumble, something like that. Like, it, it was following the same pattern as the Orton thing, but I don't think anybody was really against that. You kind of want to take Edge away for a little bit so he mm-hmm. doesn't become stale and stay special and all that. It's going to be hard to hate another Edge-Rollins match. But, yeah, I, I kind of felt like there was an opportunity slipping
3: through the fingers here by insisting on going back to it right now. Oh, God, I was so bored during this. Like, <laughs> my God, it went on forever. It died a death in the crowd. One thing I noticed from this promo is that Seth Rollins failed to get an edge light, edge light, edge light chant going. He did the thing that Mm. wrestlers do when they drop a word or a catchphrase or like an insult or whatever and they want the crowd to start saying it. So that then they can do, nah, shut up, shut up, shut up. And uh, no one said no one gave a toss about this promo (laughs) because it was so long and intense and boring and these stakes are so histrionic life or death like gives a break when I'm so bored. A part of the crowd, no one was reacting. Went quick, piping those chants, piping those chants. We'll find someone. There's got to be one person among the thousands here that gives a toss about the guy we've pushed about as much as anyone for the past Eight nine years. There's got to be someone who cares about Seth Rollins. For Christ's sake, my God! It was a relief when they finally, finally got one person to go. Bah, bah, bah. And it's just like, all right, there's one then. There's literally a real there's one, like a Hans Morman going. I was chanting Edge Light. <laughs> yeah. There's literally one person they managed to capture who gave us a <laughs> about this tedious, overlong promo. Like everything about this, like this work. This program has been broadly not bad, to Very good in the ring. Like they've played it seriously. They've done nice little nuances along the way. Like they've basically thought of an ending, worked their way backwards. And this is also obvious in terms of the week to week. As good as the matches have been, pretty much at the four-star level, Limo. Yeah. Can you imagine going back and reliving this and watching it? I remember the Edge versus Seth Rollins program of 2021. Oh, I might revisit that in about four years. Never. The way this is playing out has been so dull, mm. so monotonous, so oppressive, so serious, so intense. And god damn it, just get out of the bloody ring. Go home.
0: I, I was genuinely surprised that they didn't use this, like, and not necessarily like you say Hamford to Springboard and something else, but. Yeah, I, I got this a sudden sense of oh god, they're going to either do this extreme rules or in Saudi, rather than like you say, maybe a rubber match at Survivor Series or the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania. Like say say. Jesus Christ! Well, god. yeah, it, it might like it, 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 in my head, it was more likely that they were going to do something where Edge returns to eliminate Seth, and then they oh. build to a, a rubber match at WrestleMania. But they're going to burn through that by the end of October. So. I
3: hope so because I, I, this hasn't got enough about it to go to epic, must-continue territory. Mm.
0: Like, it doesn't. Uh, anyway, uh, backstage, uh, Becky Lynch is being interviewed by uh, Kayla Braxton. She says she isn't worried about Bianca Belair gaining momentum. Uh, she stopped Belair right in her tracks before. Why would you be? It means nothing. Uh, she said, tonight is Belair's night. It's all about her homecoming. But you know what? I've never been to a homecoming. Maybe I'll check hers out later. And then we got... Tony Storm and Liv Morgan versus Carmella and Selena Vega. Again, it speaks volumes that I asked you in the office earlier before we recorded this. Was this Tony Storm's in-ring debut for SmackDown? And you reminded me, no, she had that one match back in July or something. Uh, And this one didn't really count either because it went about two minutes. Carmella attacks Morgan immediately, uh, who's not the legal uh, party. She just gets knocked off the apron. Storm's uh, in control. Uh, they're talking about, I, I played this to you in the office today. They were talking about Storm and I just hate how they, you know, it's our thing. Huh? What's your thing? How they have to make it. They can't just be like, here's Tony Storm. She's mint. Let's just let her have a mint match and hit some great moves and say, oh, by the way, she was NXT UK women's champion for a bit. They have to say, oh, She's a throwback, Her Mum? loved the 80s music, and that's why she dresses the way she does and acts the way she does. I was like, what a load of bollocks this is. Anyway, um, Vega gets a near fall, goes for a submission. Storm hits a suplex. Uh, Liv Morgan gets the tag. Carmella gets the tag. Carmella gets sent face-first into the turnbuckle and Rolls out the ring screaming, claiming that she may have, you know, damaged her perfect face. Maybe Liv Morgan's broken her nose. Vega's there. Poor Zelina Vega, they've just done terrible things with her since she came back she's just you know simpering around making sure carmela's all right They've get counted out if i like went two minutes this uh, and then Liv morgan to be fair to a t- decent reaction considering this crap they have just been served up to a decent reaction from the crowd says oh what's wrong Carmella? have i broken your nose well i'll do it again at extreme rules she challenges us to a match um and uh, she says, I'm going to make you look like Ellsworth. No, sorry, I'm going to make you look as ugly <laughs> on the outside as, as you do on the inside. And uh, later on, Zelina Vega says, well, she'll get that match if she can go through me, which she definitely will. As Andy Murray told me, Zelina Vega is 0-9 since returning to WWE, the <laughs> uh, And they're going to have that match next week. Bloody pointless, all this, Hamplet. Yeah, yeah.
2: rubbish, man. Absolutely rubbish. Tony Storm's mom. And uh, you can just imagine like, oh, um, I hear you like uh, 80s music, Tony Storm's mom. What's your uh, what's your favourite 80s song or album? I'd probably say the best of the 80s. <laughs> I, had to, I had to pick one. Um, I the first certainly like the first time in this year, maybe that Smackdown has had a secondary women's program that isn't for a belt. Um, and it's overlooks in it because it's all I got. It's all I got. Belts, belts and looks, and half the time it's not even both at the same time. Um, disastrous, that go like There is. That.
0: You think that. You think it's just about belts or looks, well, what about this?
2: Another bloke? What? <laughs> <laughs> there is something bubbling under that I think is very good in the women's Division coming later in the show, but this wasn't it. And Liv Morgan, Carmella, as a... I don't want to be like cruel to the wrestlers. It's not their fault. But like that as an Extreme Rules match, when didn't Liv Morgan beat Carmella twice to get into a Money in the Bank match that Carmella was already in? I'm not <laughs> misremembering that, am I? Like to then present that just two months later as a singles pay-per-view match is an insult. It's not on them. It's on like that. That'd be the same if it was any two other wrestlers on this show with that kind of record. Um, it's just, it's really insulting booking. Zelina Vega... For more than just herself, by the way, Zelina Vega not going to AEW feels like the biggest missed opportunity of 2021 because we know who it would benefit beyond herself as well. Um, a real shame everybody is. Yeah, they, you know, they're all happy and they're all rich and that's fine. But just as a fan, speaking strictly as a fan,
3: feels really disappointing. Tony Storm's man likes 80s music. Tony <laughs> Storm enjoyed listening it. With her mother. And that is the one thing they tell us about Tony Stormer, why we should be interested in watching her work really good matches, pursue championships, why we should take notice of her. Because her mom likes her hates music and she quite liked listening to it in the back of the car
0: when they were grown up. At least they know that they were their target audience of listening to music. Well, about early 80s, wasn't it? That's when you everyone was I mean, it's just
3: phenomenally. Stupid promotion of a character. And then the actual promotion of the character. Like never want it's they've got this incre- like incredible. It's, it's impressive how they can just normalize someone. Not Tony Storm. It feels like she's been there for like for years mm. because she's just in the mix doing bad WWE things like everybody else. It's like how, like, how are you? It's it, it's so impressive how normal they can make people feel when they are a company the entire philosophy of they present stars to the public (laughs) that's the job that's what they do they promote stars to the public that you are interested in watching work emulated fights that's Mm -hmm. what it is and it's they do the opposite of that routinely and I find it so impressive it's one thing to like botch a presentation or to make a character you meant to think it's cool it's like it pratt or an soul or a geek it's the
0: speed with which they yeah. just make everyone feel like a moron or they just exist it's it's class it's it's like we're big football fans here of course the three of us but it's like if your club signed a new striker and the club went please welcome to the club this new striker and the aired of. A- a package of all the misses that he's had yeah like he's all the time <laughs> this is what you can expect on Saturday it it's like it's not like oh look at the amazing stuff they're gonna bring and then but then it's also like they did that and then for the derby game they were like careful because uh we got this player it's like no you told me he was point i shouldn't care they're pointless yeah. I'm like no, no no you should care now this day specifically it's just yeah it's infuriating and and like i said like, the fact that I was like, oh, at least we got Tony Storm's in ring debut and you were like, no, no, no. That happened a couple of months ago. You just forgot about it because they went, here she is. Right, that's enough of that wrestling mark. What if she flirted with Dolph Ziggler backstage? Brilliant. And now a mum like, she music so they got something to bond over us. Dolph Ziggler uh,
3: also likes Megateth. <laughs> maybe, 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 and, and it's, maybe, should have pumped that one-one. Maybe, <laughs> Tony Storm oh. is Dolph Ziggler's daughter because Dolph Ziggler had like mega death on his yeah. denims. And he's like a hair rocker guy. Or either, there's going to be an incest storyline. Or maybe <laughs> Dolph Ziggler's using Tony Storm to get in there with a ma. Ooh. What do you think of that?
2: Lift out Dolph Ziggler and put
3: in Rick Boogs. That <laughs> <laughs> it means it's exactly like, uh, what, oh my God.
2: Put, put Rick Boogs in there. I mean, the storyline not the out. Um, Do you remember, Christ, like, I these about characters that just go cold instantly. Do you remember in 2018 when, like, Triple H didn't know that AEW was going to be a thing and he was like, Cody, Young Bucks, Kenny's thing was coming to you again. It's like, guys, I've got the deal. I've got the deal. Like, I know you want to do all in two, this second show and nothing else ever again. But uh I've got I've got the deal for you. And it's gotta say it, it's now or never. And it's like it's never been more never. Is it? Could you imagine <laughs> like any of them signing that deal then? Kenny's would come up once a year, wouldn't it? Remember when I January know. Wrestle Kingdom would come around, it'd be like, it's gonna to have to be now or never. AJ Styles and getting any younger. <laughs> never <laughs> is <laughs> then.
0: see you later uh right up next oh yeah street profits are there they got a little promo uh they're obviously excited for Bianca Belair's homecoming the after party uh not happy though that the Usos jumped big earlier promised to win the tag team titles when they face the Usos at Extreme Rules then we got uh the bit with uh, Zelina Vega challenging uh Morgan as part of Carmela's challenge etc and then we got a promo from Finn Balor he was in a darkened area backstage and uh He says, everyone's asking about the demon story. I can think of one person who asked about the demon story and hence why it made it onto this show. But still, Uh, he said, I don't come from a famous wrestling family or a bloodline or anything like that. I come from a family of railroad workers. I had to claw my way to the top. Uh, he said, the demon's in me, it uh, summons me. Uh, I don't call the demon, the demon calls me. Uh, the fire isn't just within him, uh, it's all around him, he says. And it was triggered by what happened with uh, with Roman and the Usos. And he says, Extreme Rules reigns, comes face to face with the demon. And then his face transforms into the demon. Spooky stuff, this Hamplet. <laughs> all right, this is going to scan us too generous, I think. Yep. If you are thick,
2: if you are thick or, or a child, I think this was actually really effective. I didn't like it. Like, I felt pretty patronised by it, but I feel patronised by most of WWE stuff. But I was once a child and I have often been thick for investing in this product. And as a result, as um, on the nose and kind of as almost like as condescending as some of the dialogue was really in the character explanation... Um, much like Michael Cole's very, very long spiel as he was making his entrance last week. He's like, right, I've got about 30 seconds to get in the entire backstory. Go, <laughs> go, go. Um, this was sort of an e- extension of that. Uh, they've done this before. Remember when Finn Balor first arrived and he was getting the shot against Seth at SummerSlam and they kind of, they rebadged it slightly and called it the Demon King. And then it was, all, uh, we've seen this before, but, um, you know, like that's five, six years or whatever. It's been a few years since he's been a Demon. Wasn't for me, but I could kind of tell who it was for and why they were doing it, and they were trying desperately to insert a bit of tension and drama in this title match next Sunday. So I don't even really hate them for that. I just the execution very
3: evidently wasn't for me. It wasn't for him, but I sense it was right of your street. Man. <laughs> yeah, I hate it, man. I hate it. Um, scratching and clone. Like I understand he's playing. An entity here who's transforming into an entity, but so you're not expecting like a naturalistic promo, the likes so of which you never get on this freaking program anyway. But I just thought you're just saying words in a script, you're saying words on a script that has been written to add a tiny little bit of juice to a total formality of a match. And Tamford put it best, this is just patronizing. Like I know exactly what they're doing, I know why they're doing it. I can't take any of it seriously. I can't take it seriously as a thing that someone is saying out loud. Using their own words, and it becomes an organic feeling thing in the
0: process, just in the bin for me. Is he showing up on Raw tonight for you, the demon? Okay. Okay. Uh, right. <laughs> walk with you,
3: you? Yeah, fair Come enough. Come on, man. Think of the Admirals.
0: <laughs> uh, Naomi is backstage. Poor Naomi. Uh, she confronts Sonia Deville, demands a match, quite rightly. Hope we need her on this show. Uh, and Deville goes, Oh, look at the time. Ah, no time left. Um, Naomi's angry at this point she really, what's your problem with me Sonia she says she says look I've accomplished more than you have ever done in this company she gets right in her face she said one way or another I'm going to get this match and she storms off and then Michael Cole reveals later Poor oh, Naomi got bloody fined
2: I like this is uh, is my faith going to be rewarded no reward my faith Paul reward my faith <laughs>
0: Um,
2: but I like this I really do Um What they're playing with is this, and it's they shouldn't have to do it, but they've made their own brand toxic, so we are where we are at this point. They're playing off years of Naomi suffering systemic abuse, open and evident, based not just on like that she's been great at points and she's a former women's champion, but on viral videos of like how loud her pops were and how awesome her entrance was and all that sort of stuff, and yet she continues not to be featured. Sonya Deville gets to be the authority figure in question here, when really it's just WWE at large. But I get the sense people can understand this story, and it's either teasing um, Sonya Deville actually returning to the ring for a match, which a lot of people are invested in, or a logical reason why, when Naomi's just had enough Roman getting her ear, and we get what most people want, I think, which is, Naomi say, is it, as, as part of the bloodline.
0: Is it too much of a stretch for me to think that when she said one way or another, I'm going to get this match because of the whole we, the ones thing that they're doing with the bloodline. Well,
2: that's a nice detail that I didn't even pick up on. Um, that would throw that out there as well to make it even clearer. Again, I'm in favor of, I do. I like it. I really like it. Um, they've not like hit you too hard with it. It's kind of just been one segment a week thus far. Um, which is welcome because normally they over-egg these things. I just, it's, ooh, I don't know. I worry that it's Naomi so it won't end well for her again. They've actually got to see it through now because they've clearly set something up.
0: Yeah, I hope it is you know her joining the bloodline and doing something like that. But I'm slightly <laughs> concerned it's going to be her casting the blue blend, blue blend surviving. The blue blend, <laughs> yes. yeah.
3: The, bland. the blue band, Get in. <laughs> I love that Freudian slip I know that's what that was. Um, <laughs> this is ineffective. But, like, it's a stupid premise. <laughs> like, you're telling people on national television that someone you've hired for this amount of years, like, years and years and years, is not good enough to be on TV. It's like, right, okay. I can half believe you. It's too, it's too, believable, too much bloody perspective. It's too believable, a premise. Um, I don't trust them to go anywhere with it because I've been watching the SmackDown Women's Division all year, and they don't do nothing with anyone, one. Really? Mm. Like Tony Storm. The the plight of Tony Storm. So how can I watch that and then watch this and think, oh, that won't happen. Yeah,
0: fair. Uh right. We got another Dominic Mysterio Sammy Zayn match, but this time Ray Mysterio is on commentary bitching about his son the whole time. Uh, don't want him to stay in the back, but Ray has to make it all about him, doesn't he? Uh, Zayn immediately uh, jumps out the ring. George acts with Ray, distracts Dominic. Uh, Zane uses this to take advantage. He uh, goes for a top rope arm drag, but gets crotched by Dom. Uh, sends him out to the floor. Comes out with a crossbody. body. Um, when we come back from the break, Sammy Zayn's in control, but Dom fights back. Near fall on Zane Six one nine goes up top for the frog splash whilst he's setting up. Ray's won't meh, 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 bloody show up. Well, hurry up, son. I do it quick. I'll piss off, Dad. Anyway, uh, he was completely correct because he came up with the frog splash. Sami Zayn got the knees, but rolled up Dominic. One, two, three. uh, And uh, post-match Zayn tells Ray that Dominic isn't on his level. We're getting there, Hamflat. Step by step. Next week, I reckon, it's going to happen. He's going to get on the ramp.
2: It's going to be next week. Can't wait for the electric chair buzzing. Um, We've called it. We knew it was going to be this week and we've never said it was going to happen any other time. So acknowledge us. Um, (laughs) I I love this stupid, broken company. WWE have taken the story of the dad that manages the football team and is needlessly an arsehole to their kid. They've tried to do that. You know, the the dad who overreaches in an attempt to show that they're not biased, you know, um, and just as a result goes for the kid, no matter what they do, even if everything's going well, which it was here. It's this story that like has been, you've seen it in real life over and over and over again. And the father is the heel because they're failing to understand their role in this situation, you know? Like, it's all about balance. Treat the kid, treat your kid like all the other kids. If he's good enough to play, she's good enough to play, you play them. If not, you drop them. You don't need to be doing out abuse over the line to make it clear that you're not on their side. You just need to treat them as equal. It's a heel trait. And ultimately in real life, you want to see the kid prevail. (laughs) WWE have taken this heel trait and given it to one of the greatest baby faces in the history of the (laughs) universe. Of Dominic turning on his own dad.
3: <laughs> oh, I can think it's broken. This bloody uh, yeah, if I can't beat that in terms of analysis. This is bad. Like, why would you want to prove remiss- <laughs> Mysterio or make make the audience think it's a knob in any kind of way? This is almost perfect. It was the tidiest, least sloppy Dominic Mysterio match I can remember in forever. And WWE audiences, and what a lovely dose of irony this is, considering the way we were patronized for decades by this idiotic company, the other movie makers and the storytellers. Well, you've done such a bad job of all of that that you've now got a crowd that reacts pretty much exclusively to near Falls and Big moves, which is the one thing you said you didn't want to happen. <laughs> um, so they built this match around Dominic Mysterio time and time and time and time again, scoring near Falls with the idea being that he's coming close enough that it should make dead proud, but it's too close, and dad's getting a little bit pissed off because it's too close. When you put him away, son, you're getting close, but you know, not close enough. So, yeah, they told a story that the modern WWE fan could invest in throughout the match. And Sami Zayn rules, and Dominic Mysterio's got the few physical gifts, and he didn't expose himself here. Probably the best thing on the show outside of the tag match. Mm.
0: I just, I'm getting excited. We're so close to this now, and we've we've called this. We've always said. Can't wait to watch them on It's gonna be f- hilarious. 24th of <laughs> September. We called the shot right from the beginning. That's what we've always said. <laughs> 2019,
2: I think, was the first time we nailed that date.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, main event time. It was Bianca Bear's, Bianca Belair's homecoming with. <laughs> out comes the mayor of Knoxville, Glenn <laughs> Jacobs. Uh, he comes down, gives a huge bab, does the fire from the ring, and there's balloons and what have you. There's a red carpet and everything. Uh, he introduces Bianca Belair. Uh, the fans do a big EST chant, they show Bianca Belair's family that are there at ringside. She talks about her love of, of Knoxville growing up here, points out her dad. She said, Yes, look, Becky Lynch did beat me for the title, but I'm going to win it back at Extreme Rules. and uh Kane Glenn Jacob, sorry, responds by saying, Well, when you do that, you'll have to come back and celebrate when you regain it. And then he says, I'm very proud to give you a key to the city, it's a big key. And she lifts it up and she's she's really happy. She's proud of Knoxville. Uh, she sings Rocky Top, the, the, the song of Knoxville, I suppose. Uh, when Becky Lynch's bloody music hits, she interrupts. Uh, she poo-poos the song, walks down to the ring. Mox Belair says, look, I don't have a key to the city, but I am the SmackDown Women's Champion and i got this title on lock. Uh, Belair uh, swings back with a you-don't-even-go-here thing, which gets a chant from the crowd, of course. Uh, but Lynch says, hey, look, I'm just here to see what on earth a homecoming is. I don't want to steal the spotlight, I just want to say... You know, congratulations and best of luck for, for next weekend, effectively. She offers a handshake. Air, of course, because of their handshake history, hashtag LTST, hesitates, but eventually shakes Becky Lynch's hand. And Becky does the thing that every single lad's friendship has ever done. If you haven't done this with your friend, are you even real wrestling fans? The old handshake, one of you goes to leave and the other one pulls him back in. Uh, except it, this time, it's not just a pulling back in. Belair won't let go. Becky can't get away. She realizes what's happening. She goes for the old cheap shot. Uh, Belair ducks underneath it, goes for the KOD, but Lynch slips out and hits what's now called the manhandle slam. Loads of booze. Of course, you have to have the hometown hero be laid out at the end of the show because then that fans will come back. Sage. Have oh, uh, not? Have you seen the air ticket sale? And Becky Lynch stands tall with the title as the show goes off the air. What did you think of Bianca Belair's homecoming? Dot, dot, dot. With Kane.
3: <laughs> in fact, that Kane was on here. Um, Benroy did. Oh, well, Benroy's an idiot. <laughs> this was everything you th- knew it was going to be before it happened. Um, like, you could have the heel threaten, like, get the heat, but then give the catharsis in front of the hometown crowd. And then next week, you can do the heel, seg- the heat segment to make it. The fans want to see the babyface prevail at the pay per view, but no, it's not that easy. Like, I need a piss at this point. Um, (laughs) In real life, no, not not in real life. I need a piss. I'm going to keep my thoughts brief. Um, It's one thing to do the like unpleasant, ineffective thing of just chilling the hero in their hometown. I understand why they do it. It's such an antiquated. It's not even like a live events business anymore. Like, look, go, looking into the window, it might not be a live events business at all anymore. Who the hell knows? You need to get the heads out of this. They never will. It's not good storytelling. right? Like it just isn't. It's not how it works anymore. It's not a live event business. Vince Ruckabine is an idiot. He thinks he's still running a live events business. With the DQs and the hometown burials. Like, he's a moron of a man. <laughs> it's one thing to do it if Becky Lynch cheated. I know she tried to cheat. There's an element of cheating. But in the end... She counted a move, fair and square, and left the babyface lane. Like, the way they, like, framed this and laid it out was like, well, oh, hang on, she just bested her. <laughs> Ken kind of fair and square. There's was a, a temper cheat, and then there was, like, a move, and then there was a counter to the move, and then there was the th- thing that made the baby face look like an idiot. This company is inept and spiteful and boring. I...
2: Completely agree, obviously, philosophically with this being a disastrous way to use a hometown star. And it's just another thing brought into focus by like, AEW doing it right every single week. You've seen the amazing pops that all the hometown guys have got. We've seen, I think you might have said this in one of the reviews, in fact, that it feels like it's building to MJF being the first to get booed and hated in his hometown so even that they're using the fact that like they're so pro hometown guys that it becomes a storyline within itself because it's such a smart way to treat these guys even if it's just one week at a time so we've known this has been a problem forever for as long as friggin Vince McMahon was wearing Jim Ross's hat and shoving his face into the anus of the Undertaker we've known that you shouldn't be burying your hometown stars um so I'm not in favor of that but I just again it's like the it's the pamphlet, faint praise, Smackdown review. I just liked some of the individual performances here and there. Um, I thought Bianca Belair came across fantastic in front of the crowd when she was permitted. When she was permitted to be the hometown star, she didn't just feel like somebody stealing hometown pop. She felt like the hometown star and that's a big difference. And I think that's in a company where so few wrestlers are given any agency. I think that's good. I thought for the first time in about three years, Becky Lynch had patter, Like, funny, coming out singing the Rocky Top was good and... Like, I don't think that um, title on lock thing was scripted. Didn't feel it. And if it was scripted, he didn't feel it. She delivered it convincingly. Mm. So I kind of I kind of believe that, like, she was having a bit of patter again because it was woeful for the longest time for Becky Lynch. So I got a bit of enjoyment of that. I didn't like Kane. Like, much like half the residents in Oxville during the pandemic, I can't take Kane seriously without my mask. So he didn't <laughs> do anything for me. But like it is becoming of like yeah the key to the city stuff's pretty cool like, having the benefit of a mayor there that's this like well-known wrestler you do that sort of stuff so that's quite that's sort of ideal you know so there was certain bits of this that i really enjoyed of course you absolutely cannot um he's thought awesome. it, uh,
0: it's, it's so crap i
3: do yeah, <laughs> <I'm completely laughs> it yeah i'm gonna
0: make a graphic with the big key being all elite next week <laughs>
3: he's got us. he always gets it
0: let's get the fuck out of here okay fair enough let us know your thoughts on Smackdown on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE where if you want to mock up the big key is all elite I'd love to see it Uh, you can follow all three of us on on Twitter of course you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit you can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE, and make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Later on today, we will be reviewing AEW Rampage and looking ahead to Monday Night Raw. <laughs> right, <laughs> In this SmackDown review. My thanks to the Dudley Voice. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon.